We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddles. After the dust settles today, we are joined by Alex Compton, Zach Green of Hoosier Huddle, as well as Matt Weaver from Peaks.com. I'm Sammy Jacobs. We're here to talk about Indiana's thrilling overtime 33-30 win over Western Kentucky um, on Saturday afternoon in Bloomington. It moves IU to 3-0, and which I think is the biggest story here. Are there flaws in this team? Absolutely. But uh, three wins, you surpass the win total from last year, which is a step in the right direction. A lot of season left to play, and uh, we did see some good things. Uh, Matt, let's start off with you. What were your initial thoughts uh, from, from the game yesterday? Well, I mean, I think I like, you know, kind of like with Illinois, they, they showed a resiliency um, and an ability to, you know, to, um, you know, make plays when it counted, when your back was against the wall. Now, obviously, you would, you'd like for it not to be that case. But, you know, last year, this team, in my opinion, heck, this team might be on – last year's team might be on three because they, they were behind in all three games. Um, but they're 3-0. and and, and so that, that tells me that there's been some growth. You know, defensively, you know, they had some, they had some poor play throughout the game. But then in the, end, in the end there, late in the fourth quarter and into overtime, you know, they made some plays when they needed to make plays. And, and you know, uh, they gave them some yards, which is fine. You know, Coach Allen talks about it all the time, but try to hold them to field goals. And that's what they did late. And that, that really enabled them to obviously to uh, tie the game up and, and then send it to overtime. And then offensively, um, you know, they were moving the ball in the first half. They just kept, you know, I think it was like three or four times in the red zone. And they had a couple, you know, maybe a field goal or two. They had a turn. I remember the, the lateral. They just had some you know, self-inflicted mistakes. Um, you know, I, I like the passing game when it gets going. They really got some weapons there. Um, the running game was, you know, so-so. I thought Josh Henderson played really well. Um, you know, like you said, there's a lot to work on, but it's a lot easier to work on things when you're 3-0 and rather than, you know, 1-2 and or 0-3. and So, um, a big game this week. But there's, you know, I, I, I you know, special teams made some plays. Obviously, uh, Charles Campbell's a big kick, so – um, you know, I don't know so much about individual players, although there were some great performances individually. I just I like the resiliency of this team. We did not see that last year. Last year's team would have quit, and it would have been over midway through the third quarter. And this team didn't quit, and they kept fighting, and they found a way to win. I mean, it, the the game to me really changed. IU, I think, was down twenty four thirteen. Western Kentucky has the ball inside the the ten. Uh, Cam Jones chase downs Austin Reed. He throws across his body. I, I don't remember which lineman got a hand on it, but Miles Jackson comes away with the pick uh, and, and really flips that game. It goes to 22. Uh, what was it? 23, 19 after that, or, or 24, 19 after that. Um, 
and the, I thought they went for two a little too early, but yeah. that's just yeah. me. I thought the just the pace of the game, they'd have more chances at um, at possessions. But to me, that that was the the play of the game. I, Zach, I want to ask you. You you were in the stands yesterday with with the students. How was you know the the just the the feeling around the, those student fans because there were a lot of uneasy people in that stadium yesterday. Uh, you know, being down 11 in the fourth quarter uh, against Western Kentucky. Uh, a lot of anxiety and it was very antsy. Um, I think the, the way the game started, and I wrote about it, I think a lot of the students here expected a blowout. I mean, you hear the name Western Kentucky and, you know, not a power five school, but, you know, they gave, they've always given us trouble. So I know Coach Allen called them out for leaving, um, which a lot of people did. Um, and, you know, when it got good, it then got bad. And then when it got bad, it got good. So a lot of momentum swings. And it was, it was hard being in the stands, um, for sure. And, I mean, the, the, the blocked kicks, I think both were blocked, right? I think he just missed the first one, the, okay. the one at the end of regulation. All right. sure he just missed that, but I didn't have an angle on it on TV. Uh, but the, the second one, Jalen Williams just came ripping off the edge and got it. And good for him because he had a tough day. Now, the, the, that last pass interference play uh, at the end of regulation was bogus. Uh, that, that ball was 15 feet over his head uh, and, and uncatchable. But he had another uh, play. I think it was a big third down play where he – grabbed the guy and, and gave him a first down and, and things like that. But um, yeah, it, it seems like the student crowds this year, Alex are, are into it. I am, you know, they're, they're there early. Um, they didn't really stay all that long for all the games. I, I understand Idaho, nobody wants to sit through a delay and, and get rained on, but um, Alan did throw a little shade at, at the, at the fans yesterday saying that, Hey, if we're, you know, to get them to stay, we're going to keep it, make it a, uh, a last, uh, last second, second game so that they, uh, the fans stay. But overall, I've been impressed by the crowds uh, and, and things like that. Um, Matt, if, or Alex, we'll, we'll go on your thoughts for the game. Yeah. I mean, I think you start kind of how Matt let us in here, um, you know, say what you want, you know, obviously I have a lot of thoughts. There's a lot of things to clean up, but you know, Indiana football is three and zero. We've seen absolute carnage across the country so far. Um, you know, in a bunch of different conferences and a you know ton of different upsets. Um, you know, last night there were a bunch also. Um, you know, with so many new faces on both sides of the ball, and you know, two new coordinators. You know, IU kind of was flying blind a little bit heading into the start of the season. Um, and we we talked about it all off season. You know. It had to be three and oh, it had to be a perfect start. Um, and while it was far from perfect, I think, you know, mission accomplished here and what you needed to get done um, in the first part of September. So um, that for me is, is where I really start and finish. You know, we'll get to the stuff that happened on the field, but, um, you know, say what you want about, you know, the program is crumbling and we're moving to the Mac and all this stuff, but. I use three and oh, um, and if you can't enjoy that part of it, I don't know what to tell you. So, um, you know, that that's, you know, where I land, but, uh, Matt, I think, 
quick one for you here. Um, obviously, a lot of talk all offseason about both the talent and the level of experience that IU has brought back in the secondary. Um, we felt and we talked about it that yesterday may have been a, you know, Ben don't break style of game for the defense. Um, I would say mixed results so far for, for IU secondary, especially Mullen and Williams at the cornerback position. Um, are you kind of surprised so far that we've played, it seems like a little more zone and, and putting those guys off the ball a little more instead of, you know, that aggressive press style defense that we've seen them play you know, earlier in their careers. Yeah. And I think it's kind of pick your poison and coach Allen mentioned a little bit, you know, if you, obviously when you blitz, you're going to be putting guys on islands and, and, you know, that's one thing this team is still defense is still struggling with. They're just not able to generate a ton of pressure uh, with four guys. Now, Desan McCall is, has definitely helped in that regard, but he's mm-hmm. still a true freshman yeah. and, and, you know, you guys are, teams are going to start to, you know, their films out there on him. And they're gonna they're gonna start to adjust now. He's gonna have to adjust, and it's a little bit harder when you're a young guy. But he definitely helps there. But when you put guys on an island, um, you know, obviously you're, gonna, you're you're giving up some big plays. Yesterday in zone, we just they just kind of looked lost at times. I mean, there were some guys running kind of wide open and free. Um, and it, that, you know, it's just like in <clears throat> it's just like in a lot of sports. If you don't communicate, especially on the back end and in zone guys got to communicate you know you're letting one guy go from your area and you, you know, there's got to be communication and guys got to pick him up and it just seemed like there were some breakdowns and they kind of mentioned that after the game so i mean i think it's stuff you can get fixed but i i did think that the secondary would be playing a little bit at a higher level than it has so far and i mean western kentucky is a tough matchup for anybody they play fast you know even though they're a, they're not a you know power five they got some guys who can play they got a lot they've got some transfers from bigger schools um, you know, their quarterbacks from a smaller school, but you know, that, that dude was a good player. Um, yeah. so they're going to, they're going to stress you, they're going to stress you, especially on the back end and with their tempo. But yeah, it was, it's been a little bit surprising that at times they, there's been some struggles back there. You know, you feel, you know, some confident that they fix because you've got talent and experienced guys, but you know, you're starting to get into obviously the, you know, the, the competition level is going up big time here, uh, starting this week. And, going forward so you're going to play some teams i mean maryland comes to mind where they're going to play fast throw the ball all over the yard so you're going to have to get that short up um you know going forward but you know i it's as far as concerns that i'm concerned about the secondary after the way they've you know uh kind of been up and down but i feel you know that's an area where they can that there should be improvement those guys have they've proven themselves you know the one thing that i'd like to see more better is and i've said this for the last years is you got to run you got so you got to rush the passer better yeah. With four guys, you know, at some point you got to be able to get pressure without blitzing uh, because it's just so hard. It puts so much stress on your defense when you can't do that. So, um, you know, and, I, and the other thing is you wonder, you know, Taiwan went down a couple times yesterday. Yeah. Um, didn't look like serious, but I don't know if it's just was heat or cramping or if he's just a little still dinged up. You know, I mean, you wonder, hopefully not. And, and when they put Lem, Walton, Neely and some other guys in, they, you know, understandably struggled a little bit. They don't yeah. have the experience and, but you're going to have to play these guys. You're going to have to – last year we saw what happened. They, they had no depth at corner, and it wasn't anybody's fault. It just happened. But you're going to have to play these guys so that they can be ready to go later in the season if they need to go. So a little bit of a concern, but, I, you know, I feel confident that they can get that fixed. Hopefully I'm right. You know, we'll see what, see what happens going forward. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely right there. Chris Keyes jumps out as a guy that played maybe a little more than I thought he would have uh, yesterday as well. Sammy, switching to the offense here. 
Um, 12 guys caught a pass for IU yesterday. I think that's, that's terrific. Three running backs, three tight ends caught a ball. Um, we did see James Bamba go down on that non-contact play. So we'll have to see if we get any updates on him tomorrow. Um, I guess my question is how do you balance, you know, spreading the ball around like we have been, um, with still not finding AJ Barner. Uh, It's, it's maddening to me. Um, I think IU's done a lot of good stuff scheming to get the middle of the field open, namely for Emory Simmons and DJ Matthews so far, but Barner had two catches for four yards yesterday. Um, besides that touchdown against Idaho, which they thought was a free play. I mean, he's been pretty non-existent. Um, how, how do you get him going? Well, you just, he's such a big body. You just run him out there, kind of leak him out there. Like they do with, with the running back um, and just have him go, whatever, five, seven yards, turn around and basically block somebody out. Uh, you know, he, he almost made that spectacular one-handed grab down on the sideline. So it's, I don't think they're ignoring him, um, but I think people are trying to take him away too. And they also have to leave a guy in and block. This is where the, if James Bomba is out for any exper- uh, any extended period of time, which the way that injury looked, it, it does not look good. Um, you're going to need a blocking tight end and you're going to need some, you know, and I don't know if Aaron Steinfeld could do that. Um and it doesn't look like Brody Foley has, has been dressed and and things like that. So, yeah, you got to find Barner the ball and make those easy throws, except, especially for Basilak, because he started off real well yesterday for the first time uh, all season. Uh, he did have his cold spell there between the second and third quarters. But, yeah, you have a six-six tight end who could go up and grab it use it just you know instead of leaking shivers out maybe leak leak your tight end out and have them turn around and just uh, just get them the ball but people are 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 taking it away uh, as well yeah i think definitely moving forward that that needs to be a a big point of emphasis for for the offense but um zach tell me you know digesting the game a little bit you know game probably at this time yesterday was probably fourth quarter getting you know getting a little sweaty give me one thing you liked on defense and one thing you did not like on defense yesterday from from IU uh I'll go with what I didn't like first I mean I know that Western Kentucky ran an air raid offense and you know they're a very good defense but I thought that they just played the way they were playing zone it was just like they didn't really adjust um and I thought the adjustments just weren't really there um, as well as Western Kentucky had a, like three or four huge runs. Yeah. Um, and and um, I think that the run stopped them at the three-year line, which was the game. And I guess on defense, what I what I like is they didn't they didn't give up, um, especially on the goal line. And you know, I give all the credit to um, Cam Jones. You know, I, I find it funny that I don't know if that ball touched the um, the Hilltoppers guy on the kickoff, but two plays later, Cam Jones just seals the deal. Um, so, yeah, you know, they, they call him a, the last of a dying breed for a reason. So um, I would say they just didn't they didn't really give up, but they didn't 
make the adjustments. I, yeah, I, the the adjustments part for me, um, you know, it was interesting. Western Kentucky ran just those tunnel screens and those bubble screens 15 or 20 times. And I mean, there were multiple occasions. There was the one, you know, um, down on the goal line, they called back on the holding. There were a couple instances where it was one corner on two receivers. Um, and I mean, they just kept throwing those bubble screens because it was, you know, eight yards most of the time without really any resistance. But, you know, for me, it comes down to, like Matt said, I think there's a real possibility last year, this team is 0-3. If you yep. think about how these wins have kind of happened, especially yesterday, not really the games we normally win or go our way. Um, you know, Western Kentucky, like Sammy said, 4-13, to they have a first and goal. Um, Austin Reed's playing a great game, rolls right, Bradley Jennings tips it, and Miles Jackson, the backup DN, picks it in the end zone. Um, Desan McCullough runs him down, tackles him on the three, they kick a field goal, miss the field goal to win in regulation, block it in overtime. Um, I thought one of the bigger plays of the game was that third and 15, Aaron Steinfeld made a really good 14-yard grab that allowed him to pick up that fourth down on the sneak. Um, so a lot of really, really tight margin plays for IU yesterday um, and those you know those just have not been going our way you know recently or you know most most of the time ever but um, so winning on the margins you know you can say it's luck you can say it's unlikely I, I would agree with most of those things but I mean there is an art to it there is an art to staying in the game and staying close um, kind of like almost IU almost did last year settling for five field goals down there at Western Kentucky almost cost him the game. Uh, Western Kentucky having to kick field goals yesterday, they cost them the game this time. So, um, you know, yeah, it was, was an interesting game. Um, but, you know, winning on the margins, you got to do it sometimes if you want to get where you want to go. Yeah, I was kind of shocked they didn't go for it at the, um, when they kicked that field goal to go up eight. Yeah. yeah. I was, I, you know, at first down there, um, it probably seals the game. Uh, and, and things like that. But on, on the coaching thing, I, I thought Allen made a couple errors that that were pretty costly. The fourth down, they missed in the first half. It was in the second quarter. Uh, that or No, it was in the first quarter where they missed and Western Kentucky scored a couple plays later. Just punt the ball away. Uh, you know, just punt it away. It's too early to, to roll the dice like that. And I thought the two-point conversion – the first one, I, I get it would cut the score to three, but you're going to get the ball back at least two or three more times um, to, to go score. You, you keep it at four. You don't have to. They were 0 for three after that on, on two-point conversions. Now, I know they, they got it and things like that, but that those are those are the risks that it was kind of on Allen-like um, to, to go for it that early and for fourth down uh, in your own territory. I also I, – I have to mention the referees in this game too. I thought they were terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not like there were blown calls. that They made some great calls too. There was a catch by a Western Kentucky wide receiver down on the sideline, which mm -hmm. the kid made a, a heck of a play. But you had the, the sequence with the targeting that wasn't targeting, which – look, if Michael McFadden got targeting against Cincinnati last year, that's targeting. It was a defensive player, defenseless player. And, yeah, he hit him with the shoulder, but it was right to the head. 
that I mean that's the hit you got to get out of college football. Um, then the, it was offsetting uh, and things like I, I get it. I, I get the play is dead once the uh, basal X slides down. But number twenty, I, um, he was out of control. He cheap shot an offensive lineman earlier on the drive, uh, and, and then he takes a cheap shot at Basilek. AJ Barner didn't touch him. He must have said the magic words or something to get that offsetting penalty. But how number twenty was allowed to play the rest of the game was like, what? What are we doing? Uh, then they miss they miscalled the the punt um, where it may have hit the Western Kentucky player. They said it hit an IU player first, and then the Western Kentucky player, uh, and it took them forever. And then the lateral that that sideways pass. They did so. I don't know if our fans out. They do a quick review now, where it just comes from the replay official in the booth, and not they don't bring it downstairs. How they did that so quickly, uh, and determined that it was a backwards pass, and confirm the call is unbelievable. Uh, and, and that took points off the ball uh, off the board. And then on the final drive for Western Kentucky. They throw the balls getting thrown away 10, 15 feet over the guy's head and five yards in front of him. You throw a flag to set him up for a game winning field goal. It's like those flags are starting to affect the game. And I know on IU's final drive, I think they had like 33 yards of penalties against Western Kentucky, but they were mugging IU receivers all day. And you gotta, you gotta call them. I just, the big 10 needs to do something about their officials. There has to be some level of accountability uh, I, I know Matt a couple years ago against Nebraska, um, you, you were very critical of the the officials as well. Uh, but there, there's no accountability for these Big Ten officials. They, you know they they're going to decide games. They're going to they could very well have decided the fate of Tom Allen yesterday. Uh, you know if if IU loses that game, a lot of people were saying, well, Tom Allen's done. He, his you know we get rid of him, whatever. So there needs to be some level of accountability on the officials, whether you make them full-time employees uh, and, and pay them because, you know, working four jobs and then going to referee a, a big 10 football game is difficult. And I respect that, but man, you gotta, gotta be better than that. You can't insert yourself into, <laughs> into the play like that. Matt, what was, what, what was your take on, on the officials and then uh, anything else that, you know, stood out to you during the game? Well, I'm with you. I mean, on the Bayside play where he slid down, I, I mean, to me, that that looked like textbook definition of targeting. But even if it's not, that's a that's a personal foul. The quarterback had given himself up, and the guy dove down into him. It's a personal foul. They picked up – there was no per- – all they called were, if I'm not mistaken, and I can correct me if I'm wrong, but they just called the um, the dead ball penalties that were after the play when the guys were jawing or doing whatever. They uh, picked well, that one they- up completely. They didn't pick it up completely. They got rid of the targeting, but they called it a dead ball late hit because he slid and gave himself up. So the play was technically over. Yeah. So that okay, but the, I guess my off, question is: Wouldn't it be? Isn't that an automatic? Isn't that an automatic first down because it was still second down? Yeah, they said. Yeah, uh, yeah. They said Barner's off. They said they all offset, so we essentially got no yardage, and the play just like we lost a down out of all that. Yeah, I don't I don't, under, I don't understand how that I don't understand how that happens. I mean, the, the penalty was during. I mean, to me, the penalty is kind of I guess it's during the play, but you're saying it's after the play. And then I've never heard of an illegal touching by the kicking team on a punt. Right. 
Yeah. What is that? I mean, there's illegal touching on kickoffs when you're doing like an onside kick. You know, the guy. No, hits illegal before, touching before is, yards, I mean, but... they don't, the guy liked to talk. The referee liked to talk, but illegal touching, it's not a penalty. It's just the ball's dead. That's what happens when you down it is an illegal touch. Yeah. Yeah, so they, didn't they just don't. Right. They just don't yeah. announce it. Yeah. They didn't explain it right. And then there was a fumble uh, that got wiped out by a face mask. They didn't. It was just a complete crap show from the officials. Uh, Matt, I want to talk yeah. about and that penalty on Williams. So real quick, that penalty on Williams. I was in the end zone in the north end zone, so I was I was looking directly at where he was throwing the ball. I mean, he looked like he was throwing that to the first row of the stands. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how you call that. I mean, it was so far over both guys' heads. I mean, it wasn't even close. I, it no. wasn't even close. So, I'm with I'm with Sammy. I, you know, it, my biggest problem, and Sammy brought up the Nebraska game for, I don't know how many years ago it was, it wasn't that they were bad against the They were bad both ways. It's it's just like an, it's like an umpire in baseball who, you know, calls a strike one inning and the next inning at the ball. Yeah. I think all guys wanted consist- consistency. If you're going to call it one way, they call it that way the whole time. Don't go back and forth because you can't figure out you, you know, you don't you don't know what how to play, and I think that's the biggest issue. There, there's just no consistency, and um, yeah, I thought yesterday was not the best uh, was not the best officiated game in, uh, uh, that we've seen uh, for sure. Yeah, I wanted to touch upon you know just the stakes of this IU football season for Tom Allen. He's got, I believe, after the season, if they don't make a bowl game. He'd have five years left. I think the buyout is his full salary over those years. Is there any reason to think that, like, he's on the hot seat or, you know, that he he could be done after this year? I I don't think so. I mean, first of all, let's be honest. I mean, this is a a university that forced him to, you know, come up with, like, what, um, a million bucks, 900 or something now to the average person that's a lot of money for a big 10 athletic department that's like finding change in your couch i mean that's not a whole lot of money but they he had to come up with that to make a change at the oc position his his buyout he's what 4.9 million by about five years you know i don't i don't think he's in trouble if they if they lose let's just say they you know hopefully this doesn't happen but let's say they lose out i don't think he's in trouble but what happened what will happen is you know it's not like indiana's fan base is real committed as it is this is a flimsy fan base. You have a few, you have a certain number of diehards, but there, there's the, these people are going to, you know, turn on you real quick or just basically they just not pay attention anymore. Um, and, you know, this program lost some, some momentum last year, quite a bit actually. And if you have another poor season, it's just going to be really hard to get it back. Um, and that, that's, that's my thing. I mean, that's why that game yesterday, in my opinion, was humongous. Cause that's the kind of game that if you lose, you know, you're supposed to win, and Western Kentucky is a quality team, but that can turn your season sideways. You know, that can be a game where it really goes sideways for you, and um, you know that's why getting that win was so big, and it sets you up. Now, now, you know, I said you you got nine games to go. You got to go three and six, um, and it, the schedule's tough. I mean, three more wins is not going to be easy, but it is doable. Um, but you just got to find a way to try to get the six wins and get some momentum back. Um, but I don't think Tom Allen's. I mean, it, I just don't see Indiana's never been a school that's going to do that. They don't have the boosters who are going to pony up a bunch of money to make a change in football coach that I've ever seen. So I think Tom Allen's probably safe for at least a couple more years. I think the last three years of his deal, um, the buyout is half of what his salary would be. Times the, so if it's three years and $5 million, it would actually be $7.5 million, not 15. 
So I don't think he's going anywhere. And hopefully they can get keep this momentum going. And this is a butte, a butte conversation going forward. And this is something we don't talk about. But obviously after two and ten, and if you lose yesterday and you start getting a losing streak, this is something that people are going to talk about. But I mean, let's just be honest. At Indiana, it, it's this is not how they do business. Um, whether you agree with it or not, they they you know they they don't they don't throw a ton of money at the football program. Um, when things go, you know, to get rid of a coach, they'll, they'll ride it out for a couple of years. And, um, you know, is my opinion. And hopefully, like I said, that doesn't matter. Hopefully they keep it going. They get the season keeps going. They get six, seven, eight wins or more. And we, we look back at this as like, Hey, we kind of overreacted. Uh, yeah, that was, that's my thing is that if they're not even going to show out for, to, to redo an indoor facility or to build a new indoor facility, where you why why do we think that they have twenty five million dollars to throw at at you know Tom Allen's buyout, especially when your AD comes out before the season and says that the TV money that's coming in in the next couple of years it, it has been already kind of already spent, and I, I get there's things coming down the pipeline where players might get paid uh, by the school and things like that, where you kind of need to have a, a war chest but to to think that I mean everybody was focused last year on Darren Hiller coming back and they couldn't even get that and you're right like Matt said they have to spend I think it was a quarter of a million dollars of Tom Allen's own money to get rid of the offensive coordinator so I think any of this Allen's done and all that stuff like it just stop just enjoy the three and oh and you know, move on to, to Cincinnati and, and maybe you go to Nebraska and win because they're, look, they just fired their coach and got, I mean, they had about 15 seconds of happiness against Oklahoma <laughs> and, and got the, the doors blown off. So, you know, and, and on top of that, Matt, I know we've had this conversation before. Do we really trust this athletic department to go out and make a good hire at football coach if you get rid of Tom Allen? I mean, who's Allen is arguably the most successful coach since Bill Mallory, and you ran him out of town. Who wants to come? Who wants to come here for that? Well, and here's the thing: it's not just twenty five million or twenty million. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna do that, if you're, I mean, if you're, then you got to step up to the plate and you got to you got to go after somebody, and that could be somebody who's an established coach. That's going to cost you more money. They, yep. they could have a buyout, and then you have to pay him and his salary. I'm sorry, in his staff competitive uh, competitive salary. So. You know, it's not just the 20 or 20 million or whatever it is, 15. You got to, there's, 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 you know, cost to bring in a new staff. And, you know, my thing is if you're going to fire Allen just to go out and hire, you know, a guy who's not ready for this position or maybe never will be, what's the point? I mean, you know, what's the point? Try to, try to give him some more resources um, and, you know, to, to do what he needs to do if it comes to that. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm with, uh, with um, Sammy. I, I don't have full faith and confidence that, if they make a coaching change, they're going to go out and do what is necessary to bring in, you know, to, to make a splash and, you know, get the, get the right kind of coach that can come in here and, you know, get this thing going. And if you're yeah. going to hire that type of coach, they're going to want the money to be invested in the facilities too. Nobody's going to come here and mm-hmm. say, Oh yeah, I have the tools to win here at Indiana. Now that might say that in a press conference and stuff like that, but they're not, to themselves or to the AD when they're interviewing for the job. No, I need this, this, and that. And they haven't um, gotten it there. So uh, let's get back to to the game uh, a little bit, Matt. 
Um, let's put a bow on it. Look, look towards Cincinnati. Who was, uh, we'll start with Matt. Who was your offensive MVP uh, yesterday? Well, that's a good, you know what? I mean, maybe his numbers weren't huge. I thought Josh Henderson was really good. Yeah. Uh, I thought he ran hard. I just thought he added something. With it. And, and I, th- I like Sean Shivers. I think he's wrong. I, I mean, I think Josh Henderson to me should be the starting running back. And I know they rotate guys. So who starts and who doesn't isn't a big deal. But I just like the way his, he runs physical. Um, he made that great one-handed catch. He, and he gives you a little bit. And that's one thing I noticed when they, when they recruited him or they you know, went after him when he was coming out of North Carolina. I went back and watched some of his – because there wasn't a ton of film on him at Carolina. He played behind two NFL guys. But I went back and watched some of his high school tape from his school in New Jersey, and he played some wide receiver. So he's got – he has some experience running routes, and so I think something that he gives you. So I, I just like what he brought. I don't know if, you know, he was the best player on offense. I just thought he kind of gave a spark, and um, I like what he brought offensively. I mean, there's some other guys. I mean, Cam Camper was great. Obviously, Connor Bay's like made some throws. But for me, I'm going to go with Josh Henderson. I thought he had a terrific game. Yeah, I was that. You know, I was I was going to ask you, Matt, if you thought. You know, I think there's there's real intrigue now in that running back room. Um, you know, like you said, Henderson had that great catch. He had that nice touchdown run. He also had that touchdown in the fourth quarter, uh, wiped oh, off by the OPI on McCauley, which it was a flag. Um, but they had him outside the numbers, and he ran a slant in with McCauley kind of blocking. Um, so yeah, I totally agree. I think I think Henderson offered you know a little bit of physicality. Shivers had four catches also. So I think that's kind of an extension of the running game now. Um, Zach, on your end here, um, you know, we found out during before the game, the backup center Cam Knight was in a walking boot. Um, apparently the starting center, Zach Carpenter, who has had two really good games so far this season, got hurt in warmups. Um, IU turned to Caleb Murphy, who has switched back and forth, you know, O and D line and such um, at center. I mean, I think it was another mixed bag from the offensive line. Um, what were your thoughts on the unit kind of overall, Zach? Um, I thought the unit was iffy. Um, I think that at time, Bazelak didn't have enough time to throw. I think when he has probably over two and a half seconds to throw and like, he's really good in the pocket and he stays, he stays on like his toes. Um, but I mean, the bull rush was, you know, I, I, I understand like you really want to see Barner out there, but he cannot block, especially on those bull rushes. And he was getting like, he was in Bazelak's face and he made some good throws I thought overall the O-line was pretty good, but, you know, we'll see what happens with the tight end room because Barner, they line him out up on the outside a lot, and he's a good receiver. But, and especially with, uh, like, I don't know if Seinfeld's going to step up, but overall it was okay. Um, if he, I would like to see them, you know, give Bazelak a little bit more time. Yeah, you know, I, I would agree. And like Matt said, I think it's been an issue for IU over the last couple of years is, is generating that pressure. Um, Western Kentucky had three sacks to IU's two. Um, and then they also had more more hurries or pressures than IU's defense did. So, um, you know. Real, real quick, I, real quick. I thought Alex made a great point earlier about Barner. He, he, they need to get him more involved. He's way too talented to only have a few catches. And I agree with Zach. Blocking's not his forte. 
honestly, if I was them, I would think if Bump is out for an extended period of time, I think about what uh, Kevin Wilson did um, with Brandon Knight years ago, take an O-tackle an o- tackle and throw, an, uh, throw a tight end number on him and have him be your sixth blocker when you, when you want to play two tight ends. Um, and so then you can keep Barner out as a receiver. Um, who, who that, that's use? what I would do. I mean, uh, maybe Carter Smith. Guy played volleyball in high school, so he's got he, he's probably got good feet. Um, you know, I know you don't want to maybe waste the red shirt, but listen, this is my thing anymore with this red, with red shirts. It, that's the day that to me some of that's the it, that's in the past. Yep. And when you're two and ten, you got to win. Yep. I mean, I'm sorry, it, this you got to win. And if, if if I'm not saying Carter Smith's going to make you be a winning team. But if, if getting Barner more involved in the passing game can help you give you a better chance of success, and I'm doing it. I, I mean, you got to think about the program, and you know what? It worked out for Brandon Knight uh, all those years ago. I mean, he still had a good career and went on to play in the NFL. So, you know, I'm not saying he can do it. I don't know. I'm just saying that's the name that comes to mind. But I, that's what I would think about doing because, you know, if, if you're down, I mean, if Bomba's basically you're only blocking tight ends, you know, like Ryan Barnes seems like more of an H-back. You know, I maybe look at something like that, and I didn't mean to hijack this, but I just wanted to say I, I agree. With, I thought that was a good point about Barner. He's he's got to be more involved, especially when you get in the red zone. I mean, he's yeah. a huge guy. Yeah, you got to get him involved when you get down there inside the ten because it's just it's like a basketball play. Throw it up and let him go get it. And yeah. um, he's he's too talented that play at Idaho. I know it's kind of a freak play, but that shows you the athleticism for him to come down with that ball. You know, regain his feet and then get in the end zone. And he did that against Idaho last year. You know, he's got some serious athletic ability, and I just think they need to, you know, try to – you don't want to force it to him, but try to get him more involved early on in the game. Yeah, and, I mean, we saw Western Kentucky. I mean, they were just blitzing up the A-gap over and over and over yesterday. I mean, if you establish Barner early, like off the line as an actual threat over the middle of the field, I mean, you got to account for him on those slips. So that should also kind of lessen up that pressure a little bit. But – um, you know, I also agree with your your point on 6-0 linemen. We've seen a couple Big Ten teams do it so far this season also. Um, you know, if Josh, if Josh Sales is your backup left and right tackle, you know, I don't think throwing him out there for some plays as a 6-0 lineman to get him, you know, into the flow of the game and help in pass and run pro. I don't, you know, I don't think it's a bad idea. I think, you know, when Knight caught a touchdown against Purdue, I don't think, you know, Carter Smith or Josh Sales would be catching passes, but um, you know, I, I think it's worth trying. Definitely. Uh, Sammy and, and Matt, um, you know, I want to talk quickly here before we wrap up, I think so far through three games, the most consistent and probably best unit on IU's uh, team so far has been special teams. Um, I want to talk just quickly about, you know, Charles Campbell struggled a little bit down the stretch last year. He was four for four yesterday, obviously had the game winner after we lost eight yards in overtime. Um, James Evans, I think, is looking much, much more comfortable. Second week in a row, Christian Harris has made a nice play as a gunner. Um, you know, Casey Teagarden leads that unit, and he's kind of the, the point man on the Florida recruiting aspect as well in a lot of areas. Um, you know, how, how have you seen those, you know, athletes kind of develop on special teams? Uh, I thought special teams won the game for IU yesterday. You know, Campbell had – they almost blew it as well, uh, but we'll get to that. Uh, Campbell, 4-4 four for four on field goals, uh, accounted for 13 out of the 30 points. I thought James Evans kicked the ball well. Um, if I'm going to nitpick, I, I just wish some of those line drives had a little bit more air under them. Yeah. But he had two down inside the 20. I think one was at the 
the four or something. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's looks a lot more comfortable this year than he did last year. Uh, Christian Harris, I think that's two weeks in a row. He's made a nice play yeah. on, on special teams. He's a guy, I think he's from DuPage college. He's been there for, for a couple of years. And um, I think that the only time Matt and I noticed him was at practice doing log rolls, Matt, and, and he looked absolutely miserable. Uh, but yeah, he's uh, he's a guy that is athletic can run down the field and make plays. And, and he, he stuck that, that tackle. Um, your punt return. I, I really want somebody else other than Connor Delp to return punts. I think he lost that punt in the sun. And at that point, yeah, the safe play is just, just let it go and, and walk away from it. Uh, but it cost them 20, you know, almost 20 yards, I think. But, you know, DJ Matthews, like you said last week, Alex, DJ Matthews is, is almost, is almost too valuable to put back there every single time. Um, you know, he almost had a really nice punt return, bobbled it. And, and I think he got crunched on that play. Yeah. And they also got smoked by the goalpost on the, Hail Mary at halftime. Like a WWE move. Yeah. Yeah. Know. Like five yeah. guys yeah. went People's into the. Yeah. 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 Five guys went into the goalpost yeah. on the Hail Mary. But the, IU needs to be excellent at special teams all year if they're going to make it an equalizer. And we all on the group text groaned and moaned when Chris Freeman's kick. It was super close. I thought it was a touchback, but. But it shouldn't um, be. But. It, it shouldn't, shouldn't be, be that close. And it was the second one of the game. I think it's yep. the third one of the season. If that's your, you know, if you're the kickoff specialist after you tie the game up with 47 seconds, it, it's inexcusable. Yeah, yeah. It just cannot happen. Absolutely. No, I'd rather him hit a little squibber down the middle to the to the 15-yard line than have him try and get cute with it for a corner thing it, it look if western kentucky returned it to the 25 who cares you burn five or six seconds off and they don't gain any yardage and they weren't returning kicks anyway they were fair catching them um he had done a pretty decent job all year but yeah you know you had the game on the line and you, you put it out of bounds that's a play that in the past western kentucky goes down and hits that field goal and iu loses and you're like yep that's a total IU loss yep. and, and things like that. But they have um, – it's, it's Quintero, Alejandro Quintero from junior college came in. He has a big leg on kickoffs too. They've used Charles Campbell on kickoffs. They don't – Allen doesn't like to use his field goal guy on kickoffs all that much just for dead leg situations. But, man, you can't have two kickoffs out of bounds. It yeah. wasn't – it wasn't like – it was wet and super windy and the ball's just getting carried. That's, that's just, that's mental. That's like, you got to use your head there. Um, and, 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 and just make the right decision. So yeah. that almost yeah. cost them the game. I really like how they use Jalen Williams on kickoffs. And I think Omar Cooper could be really good on kick returns too. And if you put both of them back there or alternate, as long as nobody holds, um, and, and that was a soft block in the back call on, on the penalty on, on Omar Cooper's return. But, yeah, I, special teams right now, they won that game yesterday. E even though they almost blew it, they won that game yesterday. But keeping IU in the game, flipping the field a couple of times, making a big hit on punt return, 
you nearly get a turnover on on punk coverage as well. So that that's my take. Um, but I I, I do what Casey T Garden was super slick after after the the uh, the win yesterday. Uh, on certain angles of certain videos that that people have uh, did a nice head first slide uh, into the turf. So Matt, what's your take on special teams? Well, I think, you know, I, I've been, I think the best thing you say about James Evans is, is that <clears throat> we haven't been talking about him in the first three weeks. It's kind of like the right guard. You only talk about it when he misses a block and your quarterback gets killed. Yep, yep. Um, you really only talk about the punter when he's not punting well. And I'm not saying he's been, every punt's been great, but he looks just light years more comfortable and better than last year. I yep. mean, he looked like he was scared to death, you know, last year. And this year, I think he's done a much better job. Um I'd like to see – I'm with you. I'd like to see DJ Matthews off punt return. Um, I think you can make a case. He's, he's kind of like – if you remember the 2019 season when they had the quarterbacks switch because of the injury, and on third and six, every time they needed a first down, Ramsey would find Walt Fillion. I mean, it seemed like every single time. And I think you can make a case. He's kind of that guy. I mean, he's the one guy that – certain. I mean, they got some other good receivers, but over the – you know, working that slot, he's by far their best guy. And I just think he's too valuable to risk an injury. And I've said, you know, you want you got to try to win games. I get it, but you know, you got to kind of balance things too. So I, he's, um, he, I would, I'd like to see, I would like to see Jay and Lucas more. I mean, I know it was Idaho, but that one kick return, he, I mean, that 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 guy can put him up and uh, pick him up and put him down. He can really run. Um, he's got some serious speed. And then Omar Cooper is the same way. I, I think those two guys, now they're freshmen, so you're gonna have to live with possible mistakes, especially when you get against you know higher caliber athletes, but. You know, they're both high-caliber athletes. I, I, I would like to see more of them, maybe a little less of D.J. Matthews, just to kind of protect him a little bit um, because, you know, he did get crunched, like you said. I think it was one of those punt returns, and I was like, oh, God. You need to, the first thing you think is hopefully he gets up. So, um, But I think special teams has been, has been pretty solid. I mean, like I said, special teams is one of those things where you're only talking about it because it's making mistakes. Usually if they're playing pretty well, it's not really a story. Um, and maybe that's wrong. Maybe they should be talked about more when they're playing well, but – um, when you're not talking about them, that's usually a good thing. Yeah. Uh, so as we wrap up here, uh, just kick it around one final time. Uh, Zach, we'll start with you. Final thoughts on the win and overtime for IU. Um, and then early thoughts. Obviously, we'll have tons of stuff on the site leading into Cincinnati. But uh, final thoughts on the win and then uh, what you're kind of looking forward to on Saturday out in Cincy. Uh, you know, I mean, Tom Allen has said it. A win is a win. It was not pretty at times. Uh, it was good at times. It wasn't good at times. You know, even the vets didn't really step up. Um, I think that what you saw, and I agree with Weaver, that this team probably would be one and two last year, um, and or zero oh and three. So that in itself is like, you know, you got better as a program, and. Going forward, this this week is going to define the team, and I think the year. If we can put up a fight against the Bearcats, and they're going to come out with a chip on their shoulder, especially after last year. I'm sure Micah will be reaching out to the program, but um, hopefully he'll give a pep talk or something. And, you know, um, I know it's this is going to be the first nationally televised game, kind of. It's on ESPN. And uh, – no, you got to put up a fight. So you got to fight. Yeah, definitely. Matt, what about you? Kind of 
final thoughts now after, uh, you know, a day or so after the win and then uh, kind of looking ahead to, to Cincy. Well, yeah, I mean, I think Zach made some great way. A win is a win. It, it, it you know, um, I don't know if there's anything, any such thing as an ugly win. Um, some are, some are maybe uh, prettier than others, but you, you're three and oh, and that's what you needed to do. They've done what they've needed to do through these first three games. To me, the biggest thing is that place is I'm sure is going to be rocking on Saturday. Um, and uh, they're going to come out and, and when really want to punch in, you, you got to come out and you got to match that intensity. And I think you got to, you need to get off to a, a fast start. And that doesn't necessarily mean you get up 10 nothing or 14 nothing, but you can't be down 10 nothing, 14 nothing either. I mean, you got to, you got to get weather that the first quarter because it's probably going to be, you know, kind of uh, difficult. And if you can go in there and keep it closer, even maybe jump on them a little bit, then you quiet that crowd and then you, then, then you just kind of settle in and play football. But to me, you know, you can't get off to the starts you've gotten off to the last couple games because that's going to be big trouble. It's going to be tough. Um, you know, it's going to be tough anyways, but it's going to be really tough if you fall behind and you're kind of – you bury your, put yourself in a hole like you've done the last couple of weeks. So get off to a good start and, and you know, match that intensity. And, and, you know, sometimes teams play better on the road because it's just them. You know, they, they, they go on the road and, you know, you kind of bond together. So sometimes you, you're actually a little bit better on the road because of the environment and how you guys have to kind of come together. So – Hopefully that's what we see from him this week. Yeah, I think it's a fascinating game on a, a number of different levels. I think, you know, probably a game IU should have had last year. So it should be really interesting to see, you know, two teams now with a, a ton of different faces, um, probably different expectations from what both teams had last year. So um, should should be an interesting game. Uh, Sandy, what about you? Kind of final thoughts on the, on the win yesterday um, and then, you know, six days until Cincinnati. Yeah, it, it, it's anytime IU can win, it, it's a good day. And being three and zero is is where you want to be. A lot of people did not think that IU would go three and zero in their first game. Uh, I know the athletic. First of all, the athletic forgot to put IU in their their preseason preview predictions, and so then they filled it in at two and nine, so that everything else worked. So I, I think it's Stuart Mandel. So so good job, Stu. Um, but it's it's where it's where you want to be uh, at three and zero. It doesn't as our, our friend Ken Bykoff says. It, it doesn't matter by how much you win by. It's how many you win, and you're halfway to bowl eligibility. Um, you like Matt said earlier. It's a lot easier to work on these mistakes when you're three and zero rather than zero and three, or one and two. So it, it's you take you take the win. Um, you don't apologize for it, and you move on. Um, Cincinnati is going to be wild. Um, that, that fan base, I think they sold out season tickets for the first time ever. Uh, it's a three 30 kickoff. Uh, like Zach said, it's on, it's on ESPN two. They're, they're going to be not a lot of power five teams go to Cincinnati. Uh, and so this is a rare occasion for them. They'll be fired up, but you know what? Indiana has been into some hostile environments before. They, they play every other year at, at Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State. Uh, they played at Iowa. They played at Nebraska. They've won at, at Nebraska. Um, they've won up at Michigan State. They've won up at Wisconsin. Now, those were in the COVID year. Nebraska wasn't, but Michigan State and, and Wisconsin were. So I don't think this environment should phase them. It's a veteran team. Uh, Connor Basilak's played in the SEC, so he's been in front of some some hostile environments as well uh, in, in the SEC East. But like Matt said, it, it's 
survive that first quarter. You can't go into to Cincinnati and do what you did at Iowa in the opening and be down 14 nothing four minutes into the game because then it, it, it's over. Uh, you, you go in, uh, try and settle it down. This is where I think running that that tempo offense really hurts because you could be down 14 nothing real quick uh, if you go three and out on offense and, and they make a couple explosive plays. Just get settled down, get a couple first downs, get through that, I, I would say, even through the first seven and a half minutes. If you could get through the first seven and a half minutes, um, you know, either tied or with the lead, you're in good shape. Uh, and, and then, you know, this is where that we're all preaching, hey, they've pulled out these games close at the end uh, and things like that's where this experience should help, uh, that you've won power five games at the end. Um, you, you've beaten a group of five team at the end, coming back down from 11 points in the fourth quarter. You have that experience and that belief. And I think that's what Tom Allen, he said in the press conference yesterday, that optimism, that's the character of this team. That's LEO, the manifestation of LEO and holding each other accountable is, hey, we've done it. We know we could do it. It's not the way we want to do it, but we know how to, we, we could do it. Nobody wants to, to fall behind 11 points and, and have to come back every time. But, you know, Cincinnati is a big game. I, I think the next two games are huge. Uh, and if you could split them, you're in good shape. You come home uh, for two at four and one. You split those. Uh, you're sitting at five and two going into to Rutgers. And, and you're sitting pretty. But don't put the cart before the horse. They have to go into Cincinnati, uh, put up, like Zach said, put up a good fight, uh, get out of there healthy. And, and hopefully Zach Carpenter's back. Uh, this week, it, it sounded like it happened in warm-ups, and it was just total, total shock. But Caleb Murphy, I thought, filled in, in very, very well. Yeah, it was good for him. The video, uh, it was cool as we wrap up here. Uh, video he had on his, his Twitter, you could tell he was super emotional uh, after the win. So good for him, really cool, uh, cool story. But, uh, yeah, for me, uh, I think, you know, haven't really mentioned it, but Connor Bazelak throws for, you know, over 300 yards again two touchdowns. I mean, the guy's been nails through three games. Um, you know, it was, it was fun to watch Penix last night, light up, light up Sparty, but I mean, it's hard to not like what Basilak has done through three games. So I, I just didn't want to let, you know, this pass without saying, I, you know, another solid game. I think if he plays the game he played uh, on Saturday in Cincinnati, I think IU has a good chance uh, in, in that game, but uh, Matt, thank you as always. We appreciate your insight and expertise uh, and, and your time on this Sunday uh, for Sammy and Zach. Uh, we will have tons of other stuff on the site today, finishing up our Western Kentucky recaps, and then obviously a ton of stuff with the pressers tomorrow and then leading into Cincinnati week. So anybody got any final thoughts here before we sign off? Oh, no, just thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Yep. Thanks as always, Matt. And then, like I said, we'll have tons more stuff on the site. So we appreciate everybody uh, watching and listening to this today. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.